Welcome, everyone, to the Thursday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I'm your host, as always, Tyler Crawley, and we are going to start with some good news because, I mean, this is just surprising. (laughs) I will put it that way. It is very surprising for the third week in a row. That's one, two, three. Mortgage demand was up compared to the prior week. I mean, it's you're seeing home prices, you're seeing rates, both are up, and yet here we are, third week in a row, mortgage demand is up as well. Now, it wasn't a big jump. It was only up 0.7%, but up is up. I will take it. That's 0.7% total demand. Purchases, well, they were up even less, but they were up, they were in the green, 0.1% counts. It counts. Unfortunately, because last year we were seeing so much volume, so much demand for purchases, uh, even though we did see an increase week over week, uh, we did see a decline year over year. Purchase demand is now down 24% from the same time last year. And refis, well, kind of the same situation. Now, they were up more. They were up 2% week over week. But year over year, 80%. Down 80% year over year. So even though week over week numbers were good, they were better than last week, year over year numbers compared to last week declines across the board. Uh, And so because we saw such a big jump, With refis, the refinance share of mortgage activity increased to 30.3% of total applications. That's an increase from 29% last week. So they got back into the 30% total, which is half of where the kind of historical average is. It's right around 60%. And so refis are still, I mean, it's it's amazing they're not zero. (laughs) I still am amazed at where, you know, where rates are. And then you look at still 30% of activity is is refis. <laughs> That's still kind of interesting. And adjustable rates, well, they decreased now to 10.1% of total applications. And maybe this is one of the reasons why mortgage rates actually saw a slight reversal, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association's weekly survey for the week ending... June the 24th. And this was the first time in a month that we had seen a reversal in mortgage rates, according to the survey. Uh, They had the 30-year fixed falling 15 basis points to 5.84%. And this is, of course, still 260 basis points higher than one year ago. But considering at one point we, we were close to 300 or we're over 300 basis points, uh, 260s, not that bad. The Mortgage Bankers Association had the 15-year fixed rate. That was actually up one basis point to 5.06%, and the 5-1 arm falling 14 basis points to 4.64%. So it's kind of surprising. I mean, you got mortgage rates falling a little bit, according to the survey. Demand, though, for the third week in the row is up. Where is this slowdown that we're hearing about? Well, it's there. You just have to look in the right places. And Joel Kahn, a economist at the Mortgage Bankers Association, made this point that the average purchase loan amount 
has declined again thanks to rising rates and home prices. Khan said in a statement, quote, overall purchase activity has weakened in recent months due to the quick jump in mortgage rates, high home prices, and growing economic uncertainty. The average purchase loan amount declined to $413,500, which still on a historical perspective, crazy high, but is down from the record 460000 that we saw in March of 2022. So essentially what's happening, and we know this because we've looked at the data, we've talked about the math on this in, I think it was Redfin, that it was either, it was last week, pointed out that a borrower who has a $2,500 a month monthly budget has lost $100,000 in purchasing power. So they're like, hey, this is what I can spend a month. And this is the home that's available to you. And that's why you're seeing a decline in average purchase loan size amounts. Makes sense. Makes complete sense. But that's the evidence that we are seeing a change to the housing market. Because what's going to end up happening is that people will eventually get priced out. Those homes that are being sold, they're not going to be available anymore. And you're going to, cause now people are sort of limited in what they can borrow. You know, for the longest time, it was kind of like sky's the limit. And now they're reaching ceilings on what they can borrow. And if everyone else is looking in that same price range and those houses get picked up, we are seeing an increase in inventory. That is good news, but you can see a lot of crowded price ranges, which if they price people out, they're going to have to wait. And that will then of course, lower demand. And even though demand was up, it was not up a significant amount. And the thing is, is that we're not going to see rates drop until inflation drops. And Jerome Powell addressed inflation on Wednesday, speaking at the European Central Bank's annual economic policy conference in Portugal. And it was kind of interesting because, I mean, there was one point where Powell basically was like, we now know that we know nothing (laughs) when it comes to inflation. I can't remember what exactly the quote was, but that was getting a lot of attention on Twitter. And it reminded me, I think, was it Plato who said a wise man knows that he knows nothing or something along those lines. And it was sort of like Powell's kind of admitting, (laughs) you know what? Maybe we don't actually know what is going on with inflation. Now, that doesn't spark a lot of confidence because you want to hear people say, we know exactly what's causing it and we know exactly the solution. But Powell was kind of like, hey, things have changed and was being honest, which is a good thing. You, you, you like to see that from people in government. And I know technically not government, but you know it is at the same time. But Powell did make one thing clear. He did not equivocate on this, was very clear that stopping inflation was the Fed's number one priority, even if it means taking on more risk. And by risk, I mean the overall economy. Uh, The Wall Street Journal reported that Powell said, is there a risk we would go too far? Certainly, there's a risk. The bigger mistake to make, let's put it that way, would be to fail to restore price stability. Now, when you hear him say risk, what he's talking about is that soft landing that we we know the Fed wants. They want this sort of Goldilocks option where inflation will fall, 
but the economy will not enter a recession. It's, I don't think ever been done. Doesn't mean it can't be done. You know, there's always a first time for everything. But the fact that we are seeing inflation somewhat get out of control and surprise them, and now you have Powell making a little bit more aggressive statements and pointing out that our goal now is to make sure that we get inflation under control no matter what the cost, it seems like now they're less concerned about getting that soft landing. I mean, they still want to do it, but it's no longer the top priority. Top priority is dealing with inflation. He said, quote, we think that there are pathways for us to achieve the path back to 2% inflation while still retaining a strong labor market. We believe we can do that. But Powell quickly added that there's no guarantee that we can do that. So like I said, they would like it, but it's no longer the top priority. And I'm not sure if it was ever the top priority, but we now know that it's very clear that their number one priority it's getting inflation under control. Now, Christine Lagarde, who is head of the European Central Bank, was at this uh, little, what do you call it? Uh, was at the conference, but she was up during the panel discussion. There we go. That's the term I was looking for. And she said she did not believe that we would be returning to a low inflationary environment, that much of the world, of course, benefited from these last few decades. And Powell wasn't necessarily commenting on that comment, but he did point out one, he said, you know, getting back to a 2% inflationary environment, which would be that low inflation sort of economy that we'd have for the last couple of decades. So he clearly doesn't think that. And he also said, quote, there's a clock running here. The risk is that because of the multiplicity of shocks, you start to transition into a higher inflation regime. Our job is literally to prevent that from happening, and we will prevent that from happening. So he's not necessarily bought in to the idea that the low inflationary economy that, once again, the world benefited from for the last few decades is gone. He thinks it's still possible. Now, I'm not sure why he thinks it is, and Christine Lagarde doesn't think that that's possible, (laughs) but they clearly differ on that issue. And yeah, let's hope. I mean, let's hope we can go back to that because it, it would not be good for us to go to a higher inflationary environment. I mean, obviously, if wages are increasing, and I mean, it would just change the entire dynamic of our economy. We've been so used to it. It would just change a lot. And so, yeah, it'd be nice if we could go back to a lower sort of inflation situation. That would be nice. It would be nice. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. I think I was crossing my fingers in the last. I'm doing a lot of finger crossing recently uh, that Jerome Powell can deliver on his promise that we will get back to that 2% inflation target. So that would be nice. I will say, uh, we're not, I don't, I don't want to get into the whole thing here, but there was a great piece. And of course, if uh, you want to read it, you can sign up for the companion newsletter, which is available at marketsandmortgages.com. Pretty much everything we talk about here on the podcast is in the newsletter and more. There's more in the newsletter and sort of my op-ed of the day, John authors. And I think I'm saying that correctly. I was trying to look up how to, cause I, I see his name all the time and I, he's great writer over at Bloomberg, but I never really know how to say his name. And so I'm hoping it's not like authors. So I'm going with authors, John authors. 
he had a great piece saying disquiet over the housing market is only growing. And he essentially is talking about this explosion that we saw for 2008 when a lot of banks were kind of rightfully so uh, neutered when it came to sort of the mortgage industry. And we saw this sort of explosion of non-bank lenders. And now we're seeing a disruption to their business model with regards to mortgage-backed securities and just this change in inflation and you know where where rates were versus where they are now and just this is upending the sort of traditional business model at least by tradition I mean the last like 10 years <laughs> things have been upended and he says you know we're not sounding the alarm yet but it is something to be concerned about and to be aware of and he talks about just how the business model is changing and how that's going to change how a lot of these mortgage companies operate and how they make money. And he talks about servicing. Just it, it, it's, it's a fascinating piece. I highly recommend you read it. It's a little bit above my pay grade. <laughs> so if you really want to get into, I'm not going to explain it the way it deserves to be without reading the whole thing. And so, like I said, you can read it in the companion newsletter that comes out every morning along with this podcast. But that's it. We are done. You guys enjoy your Thursday. We'll talk to you again Friday morning for my favorite edition. And it's not Jobs Week, by the way. I know tomorrow is July 1st, but we will not be getting the jobs report until next week. Next week will be Jobs Week. We got ADP. Well, we will get initial jobless claims later today that's we, we do get those on thursday but we don't get the big reports until next week but we'll still talk to you friday morning for another edition of markets and mortgages and remember as always do not wait to buy real estate you buy real estate and wait <laughs> <laughs>